You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoffmanStore.com. DearHoffmanStore.com. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today, we're talking to uh, the, uh, I guess, uh, the director uh, of Food and Health Facts, Matthew Reese. He's the founder, and he's also author of a newsletter focused on America's toxic food culture. He's a great follow on Twitter. So go there, or on, excuse me, on X, (laughs) formerly known as Twitter. Uh, Go there and follow on his posts. So, uh, Matt, recently uh, you wrote an interesting article about um, the um, advent of all these new weight loss medications, which I, you know, I got to say I've been I've been following this uh, carefully, and doctors are really enthusiastic about these medications because not only do they, I mean, originally designed for diabetes, they make people lose scads of weight. Uh, they also, according to a recent study, uh, use of these medications can reduce cardiovascular risk by. 20%. So they may well join our armamentarium against cardiovascular disease, the leading cause of death, uh, along with things like statins. So what say you? I mean, should we, does this mean the end of obesity? Yeah, there's, there's, on the one hand, it's very exciting uh, what Zempic and Wagovi offer and for a select segment of the population they can uh it is it has been shown the studies have been shown that they can certainly help people lose weight and as you said can help address uh, heart disease i think that what i have tried to highlight is that um i think an important is so let's start with the fact that um they're only effective if you keep taking them (laughs) so they're not a uh they're they're certainly not a panacea and it's a weekly injection and so basically people you're going to be as as long as you want to keep the weight off you're going to have to you're going to have to keep taking these drugs Um, which which is ideal because it's a sinecure for the pharmaceutical companies i mean you know uh, when you try to sell an antibiotic you know you may take it for you know a week or 10 days um, and you know, game over. <laughs> these are right. these are lifestyle medications like statins uh, or blood yes. pressure medications. You need to take them for yeah. life. Exactly. And so the question then is, if if people just sort of take this routinely, are they? Is it going to create basically a disincentive for them to uh, to improve their diet and their and their lifestyle? And and so sort of part eliminating of what's called the moral hazard, right? I mean, it's yeah. kind of like. Yeah. You know, if you if you feed the squirrels, you know, the squirrels <laughs> will stop foraging for acorns and they'll, you know, stand around uh, on, the, on the sidewalk waiting for handouts. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So that's so that's one concern. There, I mean, there are really two concerns. Is that again, it's a it's a lifestyle medication or, or an ongoing medication, and it, it does just create this ongoing um, uh, sort of annuity for um, for the uh, pharmaceutical companies that 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 are the manufacturers. Um, you know, they're also it's worth pointing out that that the side effects can be quite severe. And in one study, um, a, a year long study, actually only 32% of the people who had started taking the drugs were still doing so at the end of a year. And, you know, the 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 Data you see nausea affects forty four percent of those who take Wegovy, mm-hmm. diarrhea thirty percent, vomiting twenty four percent, constipation twenty uh, percent, and and um, there's even sort of been an- anecdotal evidence of um, something I had not even heard of before called I guess it's pronounced gastroparesis, which mm-hmm. is stomach stomach paralysis. So um, so these are not just sort of you know not just popping the pills and they're just having them uh sort of work magically with with no side effects and then and i think that just the you know the fundamental issue though for me is that these don't do anything to stop obesity they just again they just they treat it after it's occurred and so it's it's again it's sort of uh, trying to solve these problems uh you know kind of putting Mm -hmm. a band-aid a a very expensive band-aid on on these problems when and kind of taking potentially taking the momentum away from efforts to um to get people to ultimately eat better and consume healthier beverages and because that's the that's the long-term key Mm -hmm. to to better health, and these drugs really don't do anything on that front. One thought that I had was that uh, in the future, there may be a cultural adaptation to the ubiquity of these medications. They're going to be free and easy and available, and uh, there'll be a lot of iterations of them. And what may happen to some people is they may say, well, yeah, I'm taking these medications, but, you know, it's Thanksgiving, or it's like I got a bunch of Christmas parties coming up, so I'm just going to stop my medication for a while, or I've got a cruise coming up. And what's the fun of going on a cruise uh, when I have no appetite whatsoever for all the goodies on the cruise? I think that that may (laughs) end up happening and ultimately may subvert the effectiveness of these medications because it's human nature. You know, it's like... um, you. Why feel a loss of appetite continually? That's no fun. Right. Exactly. And so, and that, I mean, that just gets to a fundamental issue that you no doubt are familiar with. It's just a, the whole issue, just adherence. And it's an issue not just with this, with these products, but with all forms of uh, uh, pills that, that people have to take. And there's a very high rate of non-adherence and so it and will people uh for whatever reason whether it's the the one you just pointed to or costs or just lack of discipline and they are very uh, costly i mean when they're they're authorized for diabetes and an endocrinologist prescribes them you can get insurance but uh for someone who wants to lose that you know discretionary 15 20 pounds uh you put cash in the barrel head and it's thousand dollars or more a month Exactly. And it's funny, the, it's not funny, but the Novo Nordisk, the manufacturer, there was recently an article talking about how the da- it's, it's a Danish company and how the Danish uh, economy has received this huge boost just on, <laughs> solely on the basis of yeah. Novo Nordisk because yeah. these, these products are, are uh, in such great demand and there's, they're just, um, a, you know, a cash cow literally for these, um, for, for Denmark. And so it's, um, 
but again, just, you know, to go back what I said, it's just not, it's, it's, to me, in many ways, it's just creating the wrong incentives. And there's a, yes, there is a segment of the population that can benefit from these. um, And, and they, you know, they were originally, as you pointed out, designed to treat diabetes. It's the, you'll actually see when you dig into the literature that they, there's not really a, a deep, understanding yet even of precisely how this uh, precise mechanism by which this uh, leads to weight loss which is leading to concerns about you know how much do we really know about the the long-term effects of these medications and so um, I just think that amidst all of the enthusiasm for it which I understand but um, I think the enthusiasm may be uh, you know there's a, a reason to kind of temper that enthusiasm for the time being. Okay, so uh, hypothetically, throw your hat in the ring uh, for a Surgeon General of the United States, uh, you know, on uh, January, whatever, uh, 2025, uh, the new administration comes in and you get to work on uh, reforming America's healthcare system. What are some of the steps that you would advocate? Well, I would certainly change the... Uh SNAP, as we as we have talked about, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, and and ensuring that the the beneficiaries of which there are uh, as many as forty million, and many of them are children, uh, trying to to establish a healthier food uh, regimen for um, for those for those beneficiaries. I think I would you know I would have the the nutrition and diet and food taught in medical schools. I think that would be uh, critical. And then I would just echo something that a, a, a Stanford medical school professor said recently, Christopher Gardner, when he was asked this question. And he said, you know what I would do? He said, I would get people to eat more beans. And he went <laughs> on to document all of the ways in which uh, beans are, are very good for the health and very high in fiber and great for the microbiome. And uh, somehow, and and look, that's not going to that's not going to be the uh, the cure all. It's part of a a, um, a balanced, uh, a healthier, uh, balanced diet across mm-hmm. the spectrum. But but I think that, that you know, could really be a sexy ha- campaign slogan is "Eat more beans party." <laughs> the "Eat more beans party." <laughs> yes, yes, it it, it would um, it would, it would really need, take it would, off. It would need some clever some clever uh, branding, but yeah. I but. I think that it's you know it's a it's an underutilized tool. Uh, beans are in the kind of in the arsenal for for better health, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and then it's just even something as simple as as you know teaching nutrition in schools, and even and what I one thing I've written about is actually bring back home economics courses, yeah. which in fact are really yeah. just cooking. I mean, if you mm-hmm. think about. What's the the history, math, reading, writing, arithmetic? All of that, obviously, criti- critically important for children's Forms future. Of literacy, but what about yeah, but, health literacy? Yeah, I, I but think you think we're about sadly that, lacking. Yeah, yeah, you think about sort of these long-term life skills that are going to pay dividends um, that can be taught to children. Teaching them how to cook. I mean, is there in, in a in a moment when? Uh, 60 of roughly 65 to 70 percent of the calories that children american children consume come from ultra processed foods america has uh if not the highest um one of the highest child obesity rates in the Mm -hmm. entire world getting kids to uh to shift away from just sort of the grab and grab and go ultra processed products and getting them to cook 
and then creating a generation of children who then become adults who cook for their kids can kind of help to, to um, turn this uh, uh, cycle yeah. of uh, poor health around. And, and, and many studies suggest that uh, tastes uh, are formed very early in life uh, and the brain, in effect, becomes rewired with a preference towards uh, tasty, high-calorie, ultra-processed foods. And it's kind of hard to turn back from that. Well, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's once you're out of the gate, uh, it, the comeback trail is, is a difficult one. No, you're exactly right. Um, uh and I think that, and it's just, and it's it's sort of creating those tastes, and then just creating those habits, and helping uh, kids understand kind of what are the long term effects of, you know, consuming uh, sugar sweetened beverages uh, for you know one or two or three or more a day, consuming the the fast food at McDonald's, and and even the kind of the you know the processed meats that end up in in you know sandwiches that your you know your parents are guardians or whoever may be cooking for you but mm -hmm. there was just something about um i can't even remember where the maybe it was even a federal policy but they want to bring in bring back this product called lunch right yeah which which were very that that uh and they claim who is it is it uh, i can't yeah. even remember now who the manufacturer is but but uh, one of the big the, way, the, the, the nose under the tent is that it was deemed unsuitable but yeah. then through a little sleight of hand, the manufacturer said, yeah, but we'll include a portion of fruit. And yes. suddenly it met the criteria. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that the fruit's going to end up in the cafeteria trash can uh, as they hand out the Lunchables. Uh, but, it, you know, the, obviously a sop to the uh, processed food industry. Yeah, exactly. And it, and even if they eat the fruit, it's going to, you know, whatever benefit they get from the fruit is going to be undone by the, um, by the processed meat and the, the cheese, cheese and the crackers the, and yeah. Air yeah, that's cheese. It's, uh, it's not even yeah. real cheese. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and so, uh, again, sort of just trying to swing the pendulum in the, you know, in the direction of actually of, of healthy food. And, you know, look, it's a serving, millions of kids in, in schools is no no small uh, task but they're um you know it is ultimately it's not it's you know it's an investment in their health and their future and if it's going to cost more to serve uh food that you know can't sit around for days or weeks um you know i i think that's an investment worth making indeed and so what about uh, the campaign now which is underway, modeled after the campaign against tobacco, uh, to, uh, in effect, uh, tie the ultra-processed food industry up in legal actions, you know, kind of like the tobacco campaign, because with all the demonstrable proof that ultra-processed food kills you, surely there's got to be some potential liability and, you know, an effort to push back against uh, that. Yeah, I, I think that is probably going to be the uh, maybe sort of the next uh, stage in this in this effort to corral the and rein in uh, kind of the, the the processed food companies. And I think that the, the tobacco playbook is one that there's there are important differences and distinctions, obviously, between tobacco and food. But ultimately, no redeeming features of, of tobacco you know, and, yeah, and not a yeah. necessity. And food, of course, is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so 
but with those um, those distinctions aside, I think that um, as as we more and more research is done, we've seen the ways in which the 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 processed food companies are. Uh, resorting to i mean it's both kind of the lobbying tactics but also the the deception and uh that was ultimately i think that campaign against the tobacco companies was ultimately was was critical to their to to helping to reduce the the smoking rate people i think there was kind of some general understanding that smoking wasn't good for you but when when those tactics uh of the tobacco companies were revealed it 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 helped to turn this product that was once uh seems maybe a little bit unhealthy but but ultimately not a big problem into uh, a tool that um, again manufactured by these highly deceptive companies I think that that, that that's going to be part of the um, uh, campaign and ultimately will probably you know I'd like to think would have success but then it's also things like you know that obviously the part of the, the tobacco playbook was you know, not allowing smoking in offices and buildings and airplanes and obviously you can't on the one hand you can't eliminate food from those settings but there are things that can be done mm-hmm. along the lines of say not allowing you know the advertising of sugar sweetened beverages to you know children under the age of 12 and they're just kind of tools that um, or I mean the, the kind of the t- one tactic I that I've seen written about is you know in in many states such as California, they actually have to put a, uh, something in the window of what their 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 uh, rating is for uh, you know hygiene at the restaurant if they passed all the tests. And of course, they almost all get an A. Mm-hmm. So a doctor wrote about well. What about how about a rating for actually the food that's sold in the <laughs> restaurants and and how healthy that is and yeah. you know it, it'd be quite it, you know it'd be quite a wake up call if, if all of these restaurants were getting C's and D's and F's and um, whether that would ever work I don't know but it's just it's you know it, it's time to think about some some unorthodox approaches to a problem that uh, that is only getting worse. Well, as you know, Americans hate regulation. Uh, they don't want uh, to be told that they need to keep their thermostats to a certain temperature. Uh, they don't want to be told uh, what kind of vehicle they need to drive for the most part. Uh, when it comes to food, uh, Americans have kind of a rebellious streak, uh, was, as was seen uh, with the former mayor of New York when he tried to uh, limit the serving size of, uh, of uh, soft drinks that were sold, there was a big hue and cry like, you know, uh, you will pry my Coke out of my hand under my cold, <laughs> cold, cold fingers, hands. you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, that whole thing, that meme. Um, so it, you know, education, I think, looms large as a way of dealing with this. You know, rather than saying you can't have this, you know, we're going to regulate these things into oblivion. Um, I think that, you know, educating people to make better consumer choices is a more optimal choice in educating healthcare practitioners to, you know, go that extra mile to exhort their patients to do healthier stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree. I mean, I I I, I think it should be at least two pronged in terms of that education, but also uh, altering the environment in which we all live and in which we're exposed to the food. But but yes, I do think. 
again, it's whether it, it's it's the the teaching in the schools, um, it's the academic medical centers, and and you know, it's both the children um, and the adults who need to who need to have this understanding and recognition of the you know the incredible price that we are paying and the direct uh, connection we can see between between that food that we're consuming and the and the you know the remarkably poor health outcomes uh, in this country. So what's next for food and health fact? What do you have on the agenda in terms of things that you're going to write about? Yeah, well, there's no shortage of, uh, of, of big targets. And I, I, um, um, let me, I can even, I'll, I'll, if you'll bear with me, I'll just look at my, uh, my upcoming, uh, sure. my, my list of topics here, because there's always, it's a, it's a long, it's always a long list, and so it's hard to, to keep track of them. But um, let me just, here it is here. Um, so we have... Um, here it is. Uh, oh yeah, well, so, you know, I so one thing I just saw on a late night television ad with a, a company called Healthy Wage, uh, where you mm-hmm. actually uh, uh, you actually place a bet on yourself in terms of how much weight you can lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I, wow! I, that, I haven't I haven't quite dug into it yet, but I was very uh, very intrigued by. Uh, uh, by what I saw, I uh, I'm going to continue to write about um, a, a in, you know sort of the broad issue of life expectancy in this country and the way in which uh, you know even before COVID it was modestly declining and then it you know it really dropped off a cliff with I think overall life expectancy falling three years in the first year of COVID down to a level that. Uh, the lowest level since 1996, and far and away the lowest level of any. Mm, we're going backwards. Yeah, we're going we're going backwards, and um, and um, and and just the, and the you know the, the cancer rates actually rising in young people is something I have uh, is something I have written about. While it's, there's been more, there's been progress in other segments of the of the population, but there's just uh, so many. And then um, I mean, going back to SNAP for a moment, the you know the farm bill is um, yeah, it's coming up. Um, yeah. It's coming up. It's a five-year, you know, reauthorization, and this is this is the this is this is the year of the reauthorization. And so, to exploring again the potential changes to to SNAP and and potentially the um, uh, sort of more experiments in in uh, in food as medicine. That's just those are those are some of the. Um, you know some of some of what I'm going to be writing about, also kind of just the the, the role of of dopamine, and then another thing I, I came across recently was there's this um, rap star that longtime sort of rap star who your, some of your listeners might be familiar with called Snoop Dogg, and he yeah. a, about a year ago he launched this uh, serial. Um, uh, he originally was called going to call it uh, Snoop Loops, and then there was a, tra- <laughs> a a trademark issue, so now it's just called Snoop Serial, and it's being portrayed as a you know a, a black owned uh, a cereal and good for the community, but yeah. it's it's one of these products that's incredibly high rates of sugar, and there's just there's no it, has, it, it almost has kind of zero redeeming features, and so it's this topic that I have written about. Yeah, and, and even uh, Michelle Obama has caught some uh, flack about her uh, juice products. Well, uh, yeah, which are. Uh, they're you know which have a, a, a big dollop of uh, sugar, uh, or you know pack a caloric wallop, and may not be optimal for kids to guzzle. Exactly, and that to me, and I yes, I I wrote a little bit about that and how 
um, it's being presented as obviously any product that Michelle Obama is going to associate with is going to have a health halo around it. Yeah. I really felt like it was she was doing a disservice to her reputation by uh, look the the product that she's um, endorsing. It's you know it's not as bad as a say a, you know a Coke Cold or beverage, a beverage, right? Yeah, sugar sweet beverage, but it's by no means. It's certainly not. It's it's much worse than water, and yeah. and that's and that and and it's on, on the one hand, people say, "Well, you're never going to get children to uh, to just drink water," but um, I think having just another uh, kind of highly processed uh, product that is being put out there again with this health health halo is um, you know doesn't to me does not represent progress. And, and Matt, you know, when you mentioned that, you know, America's uh, health is deteriorating, I think there's also the issue of uh, the uh, disparity, uh, the haves and the haves not, have nots, uh, because just as there's income disparity, there's health disparities that are that are seemingly getting worse, uh, that uh, uh, obesity is a more of a low income phenomenon. This is the first time in history when we've seen uh, poor people uh, being heavier than rich people. Uh, rich people can afford, you know, uh, healthy food. Maybe they're you know, more educated, self-aware, maybe more vain um, and uh, have more opportunities for exercise and leisure. Uh, so uh, that, I think, is a big issue is, is, you know, that we're moving in a direction where it's a it's a tale of two countries, you know, an ill population and then sort of a, a healthy elite, you know, sort of effete people who, uh, you know, eat organic food and go to gyms. Uh, but uh, they're few and far between. Yeah, no, there's, you're you're right. There is a there's there's certainly a, a health divide. Uh, the data does show that that. Obesity, while the rates are higher among those with low incomes, um, it's it's um, it's pretty secular in terms of it. You know, it's um, all all encompassing, and it does touch people really across all the all the income groups. And so, um, and it speaks to again some of the challenges with the uh, just sort of the culture of food and the culture of eating in this country. And there's been interesting data looking at at how much time people spend eating and it looked at about 25 different uh countries i think mostly advanced economy countries and um and coincident coincidence or not but americans spend the least time eating of all of those countries the least time i was gonna say say we're we're putting the feedback on continually but our 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 way of eating our hurried eating may be part of the problem Yes, and the foods, and you know, the, these these manufactured, ultra processed foods are they facilitate uh, speed with yeah. consumption. They're yeah. they're quick to prepare, and they and they they and they you know they go down the hatch uh, that much quicker, and so uh, which gets into issues around satiation and the rest. But um, but it's sort of trying to reorient the way in which we treat our um, sort of. Our kind of our rituals around food and and and, and sitting down at the table as a, I mean there have even been studies showing that when people are eating while watching TV they eat more because they're not really oh, yeah. focused For they're sure. not, they're not really focused on what they're eating and so you just sort of mindlessly start shoveling whether it's the potato chips or you know ice cream or whatever it may be and so as opposed to taking time to sit you know sit at a table and then it also just gets in I mean something else I've written about a little more in the past is just 
the problem with restaurants and which, which is account for can account for 50% or more of uh, the caloric consumption of American adults and restaurants are not in the business of health they're in the business of selling products that mm-hmm. taste good and you know come quickly and and so getting people it gets back to the issue of trying to you know cook at home as opposed to going out to eat and um, or go to fast food restaurants and um, the the Friedman School of, of Nutrition at Tufts did a study where they looked at you know thousands and thousands of, of restaurant meals of all different kinds of restaurants and I think they I think they they put it in the categories, and I think maybe zero point one percent of restaurant meals met the the wow. qualification for ideal health. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it just, and it they're just going out of business too. So yeah, and it just it just shows you what you're when you when you when you're eating out, it's very very difficult to um, to actually get a healthy meal, mm-hmm. and and that's and if you're doing it as a kind of a one time. Uh, luxury or once a month or celebration that's fine but when people are eating uh many of their getting many of their meals whether it's in the you know in a restaurant or even you know now with the the delivery services yeah yeah it's just that much easier to to end up with um uh again with the diets contributing to, to dietary habits that are that are very harmful to one's health Okay, well, uh, you've boiled it down very nicely for us, uh, answering the question, what's wrong with uh, the healthcare system in America? And uh, you can find out more at uh, foodandhealthfacts.com and uh, Matthew's Twitter handle, very worthwhile following, at foodhealthfacts. So um, keep up the great work, and uh, we'll look to an update uh, from you. Uh, in a few months because there are always issues coming up. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Hoffman, for giving me this platform and for giving uh, voice to uh, helping to raise uh, attention to uh, these issues, which um, are are so critical to the long-term health and prosperity of this country. Indeed. Well, thank you very much, Matthew Reese. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.